All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I can remember even when... Oh, I don't have my headphones. I gotta run down and get... Get the cans. Yeah, let me do I'll that. fill. I'll fill time. Okay, yeah, Justin Bieber, in 2009, was the biggest recording artist out of Canada. One of the things you might not know about Justin Bieber is his mother is a vampire. His father is a normal man, but his mother is 100% vampire. She has killed over 700 North Americans within seven years. I'm talking about Justin Bieber's mother. Oh, she's a killer? She's a vampire. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Anyways, that okay, I didn't me. know that. That was just me failing time. When we worked at a radio station in the Valley at the same time, yes. I remember we had a piece of imaging, which was supposed to like reinforce that classic rock is better than pop music. All Which, right. first of all, is a is a tenet that I oppose. Yeah, and um, it featured a clip of Justin Bieber's "Baby," yes. which was at the time I recall thinking this is a very dated song. Like Justin Bieber's voice has dropped since this song, but this was like the Justin Bieber song that they referenced. And in the in the little piece, it um, he gets beat up. He gets beat up. <laughs> yeah, like somebody drop kicks boy Justin Bieber. Yeah, like before all his transgressions too. He was just like a cute little boy who was very famous. Right, and I just remember thinking this is unnecessary. This it's is very violent way towards too a minor. Yeah, and this is like the valley where like they have a lot of like apple picking. <laughs> well, and, like the valley isn't the valley where like the 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 wear purple for anti bullying thing began. Yeah. There you go. Right. You're only allowed to bully multi-millionaire superstars. Right, yeah. Only beat them up. Only as, if they've got Scooter Braun standing as adult in adult rock fans. Right, yeah. Oh, it just bores me so much. It bores me. It's a tired uh, motif. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not music. That's what frustrates me about because we all like classic rock, but mm. it's the people who only like classic rock that are tremendously frustrating because not only do they only like classic rock, yeah. they don't accept other kinds of music as music. I'll They're like, you, that's not music. I'll tell you what my favorite kind of sure, music, music fan is. Uh, the like 80s uh, rock music fan that that okay. for some reason still doesn't have time for, uh, like I have a couple of them on Facebook where it's like, oh man, you know, the Scorpions are the real, <laughs> <laughs> are the real deal. Oh yeah. None of this like, you know, even you too is like right. way offside. Oh, Coldplay's trash. They're no poison. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is it about Coldplay? Do you like Coldplay? Do you have feelings about Coldplay? I like Coldplay. I, I don't know the last time I listened to a full album. Probably like X and Y. I just, I've never understood that they seem to have like a similar kind of um, reputation as Nickelback. It's maybe not quite as big of a cliche, but mm. they have this, there's this image that chases them that all their songs sound the same. Yep. And of all the things you could charge against Coldplay, that's not it's one not I would, it's not that. No. And I actually really like, I mean, Fix You is a great song. Totally. Even some of their deeper cuts, like, like Green Eyes. I don't know Green Eyes. Oh my God. Like early, like Rush of Blood to the Head, Coldplay. Yeah. Amazing. I heard the song, How to Save a Life Today, where did I hear it? Maybe it was in a TikTok. Anyway, this is a song I've heard, you know, probably a few times a week for the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, there's nothing that can surprise me about that song, but something about hearing it today, I was like, this is a really, really great pop song. It's like very deep. 
mm-hmm. and good for the fray. Yeah, yeah, totally. And good for the Grey's Anatomy of the oh, world sure. playing yeah. that song. There was a moment where Grey's Anatomy was, they were like a real trendsetter. They put Tegan and Sarah on the map. They put that Frey song on the map. Oh, totally. Um, Chasing Cars, that song, Snow Patrol. Yep. I've even listened to some later stuff where I'm like, oh, Jen, this is kind of some like later Vampire Weekend. That's kind of funny that that's on there. And she's like, see, I told you the music's cool. I suspect music consultant is a job on Grey's Anatomy. And well, it's probably very important that they hold on to that cool fact. It was a huge job at first. And I remember reading like an interview with someone in Rolling Stone who was the the music consultant. And it was like, you know, how crazy and diverse some of the music choices were. And, you know, she was playing like Imogen Heap. Maybe I'm confusing that a little bit with the OC. But yeah. she was uh, just making like very, uh, she was playing like the yeah, yeah, yeahs and stuff at the time. Right. Well, there was just always like an emotional beginning of the third act montage where yeah. they play this like indie song. Right. But lately what they're uh, being in a household that has seen the last couple of seasons of Grey's Anatomy uh, almost just like uh, by proximity. like being So Jen's still in on Grey's. She was off grace yeah and then just binged all of it on netflix and that got her back into it yeah becky returns to it i think i mean probably not every year but then every couple years she'll backtrack and catch up right i mean it's a soap opera not unlike a lot of shows that i've enjoyed so i can't judge it no. and, and i kind of really respect that it's held on to its audience as long as it has totally um while <clears throat> making like branch off shows there's got like private practice and station 19 and okay but private practice is is long long dead yeah but but now it's got station 19 which is a firefighter and that's in the gray's universe it's in the gray gray verse the gray's averse yeah interesting yeah they were actually in the news this week because Derek came back in some kind of like dream apparition yeah they're running on a beach or something she's like yeah, I think for maybe like the fifth time, Meredith Grey gets blown through a wall or something. <laughs> There's an explosion that happens. And she's like on death's door um, and goes to this other world where she's able to communicate with Derek. This is a cold take, but like just imagine how much insurance money Meredith Grey would have. She does not need to work. Like no, the life insurance God. checks that she's cashed on her sister who died and her husband who died and yeah. his wife and, and friend who died. And uh, I think Sandra O oh managed to leave the show without her character dying, which is extraordinary. Yes. Um, I think there's still times where she's like texting with her. Oh, and sure. It'll just show like the name pop up on the screen. I think but they're she's probably never come back to the show. They're probably hoping she'll come back someday. She'll come back in the series finale. If That's that, right. if that ever happens. Yeah. Um, uh, planes have crashed into the hospital. Yep. The ferry crashed way long ago. There was an active shooter once. A bomb blew up in the hospital yeah. once. There, uh, like it's extra. Like you can retire. It's over. Oh my god! Why would you go back there? Why? Well, this place is haunted. And I wonder if therapy. <laughs> How many bad memories can you have at one place? Therapy a storyline in like? Do we ever see her like going to? I think so. Like I, I, I think that there's been like grief counseling and stuff, which is very much necessary. Aaron Sorkin's written some really good therapy episodes of TV shows. Okay, it's usually an essential. Th- like, there's a there's a, a poignant moment in uh, in the West Wing where Bartlett gets shot, mm-hmm. but then also so does Bradley Whitford's character Josh. He gets right. like worse shot, and he has to go to therapy for it. And that's like those are a couple of really good episodes. Nice. Um, and there's a therapy arc on This Is Us right now, which is a little heavy handed. This Is Us in general is very heavy handed right now. Yeah. And so it's like a little too too obvious with what they're doing. Well, they're, it, it's COVID. 
And so oh, there, it's kind of cool. It's kind of surreal how relevant it is, but they're also like really forcing it. And so like they're constantly so like- So it's COVID in the show you're saying. Oh yeah. And okay. they'll they'll say like really COVID relevant stuff. They'll be like, can't do that because COVID. And they'll like have masks on. Right. And, and so that kind of makes it feel like really lived in and like, it, like it's current. Mm-hmm. Except I'm constantly aware of that not being the plan for this season. Right. So it seems too shoehorned. They've kind of comp well, and that's fine, but like they make such an effort to remind us that they know it's COVID when mm. of course we know that. That was established in the first episode. <laughs> they acknowledge it in the credits. It's like, Thanks for watching <laughs> while it's still COVID. Man, vaccines competing vaccines now. Ninety-four point five percent effectiveness and ninety-five percent effectiveness. Pfizer and Moderna. In her extraordinary career, Dolly Parton has written 3,000 songs, won nine Grammys, theme parks, films, everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. She has the EGOT in nominations. Okay. And maybe she cured coronavirus with the million dollar donation she made to the Moderna test. She made a million dollar donation? I'm surprised you haven't heard about this. Dolly Parton's a real folk hero this week, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she she contributed personally a million dollars cash to the Moderna trial. Doesn't a million dollars seem a little trivial for a worldwide pharmaceutical company that's going to gross billions of dollars off of this? I don't know how much money it's cost them to run this trial, but if it's probably not, it's probably going to be Pfizer. It seems like they're a little bit ahead of Moderna. Yeah, but regardless, like she maybe had a like a heavy hand in, you in helping to find the vaccine. You picture someone picking up a phone and going. Get Dolly Parton on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> We're so close. She's the hero we need, don't you think? I think so. I saw a meme today that was uh, Dolly Parton has been married for 60 years and no one has ever seen her husband. <laughs> That's interesting. Like people have seen like, but like no one, if you saw a picture of Dolly Parton's husband, you wouldn't know who it was. No. See, you saw a Dolly Parton meme today because she's been trending That's this week. That's probably right. Yes. That's probably right. No, I didn't. I don't even think I knew she was married, although it makes sense that she's married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great gal. What is Dollywood, though? It's like an amusement park. I think so. I Would think you it, go I think there? It's like and... a Graceland, but for. Oh, Dolly so Parton. it's just like a compound. It's just like a nice garden. Or, or is there like roller coasters and stuff? I don't know. I haven't looked that far into it. And what are the roller coasters? <laughs> just a big banjo or something? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, you're static. I do too. This is like noticeable static. I wonder if that's being picked up. I it, can hear Becky using the stand mixer downstairs to make a cake. So uh, maybe we're having some kind of I like frequency it. It, interference. It kind of just sounds like we're on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you want to hear the truest sounding podcast that there is? This is the real shit. You're really going to pick it. It's so much warmer than <laughs> other podcasts. I saw a tweet today. Um, this is apropos of nothing, but they're talking about how Trump is still trying to steal the election. And it said, it's only a coup if it comes from the coup d'etat region of France. Otherwise, it's just sparkling authoritarianism. Right. Yeah, that's very true. I thought that was amusing. I I like how people are like, I know people are still paying attention to Trump, but it's almost like a little voice in the... In yeah, the background now people are like, oh, he's still trying to do something. I think he still has his seventy million supporters, or maybe forty percent of Americans who believe that the election was rigged for Biden. I think yeah. that's still like a pretty loud minority. Well, it's a dangerous thing he was doing by saying, by not accepting it, going against yep. it the entire time, 
And like essentially like you you do wield a lot of authority when you're president. So if you're saying things like that, people are going to believe you. Well, and on the one hand, I can That's why COVID's so bad right now. I can well, I can't um condone it. I can sort of understand these like industry Republicans, these like long tenured career Republicans who are afraid that they'll never win an election again mm -hmm. if they turn their back on Trump's um, majority or Trump's Trump's following. Right. And so I can understand if I can't condone it, I can understand their silence, which is complicity. I, I of course can't understand their like active fighting for this losing cause. Like right. why in the world after all this are you putting all your chips like you're gonna die on this hill, mm -hmm. on on this used up wrinkly old whoopee cushion who would only have another four years anyway, and then what? I think it's almost even a part of them watching what's happening and being like, okay, Trump still has a 50% following. I can't say completely that I'm disavowing what Trump is saying because people still like him. Yeah, or you could say what you actually feel yeah, I I wish that was the case. Yeah, but I don't think it really is the case that often. Probably not. It's politics. It's politics. It's, oh, oh, it's, it's the economy, stupid. Ah, you're right. I forgot about the economy. <laughs> yeah. See, all this time I thought it was something else, but it was politics. You thought it was truth telling, but it's politics. See, that's where I went wrong. <laughs> that's why I'm an artist instead. That's right. You follow your heart. They uh, follow the money. For better or worse, he follows his heart mm -hmm. into the fiery pits of hell. Quentin Tarantino is going to write a two-volume Once Upon a Time in Hollywood novel. Okay. And this is going to go one of two ways. He has horribly. said- Horribly. <laughs> or well. Okay. <laughs> um, he has said before that, you know, if he's only going to direct one more movie, that doesn't mean he's going to stop being a writer. He can write TV shows or he can like- work on other people's movies, or mm -hmm. he could write a novel, he said. one, and like, right. There's part of me who thinks, I've never read a, a Quentin Tarantino script. Because he's verbose and because he's like flowery with language, like maybe his prose would be wonderful, mm -hmm. or maybe he's so up his own ass that it would just be a train wreck. And in fact, there are some people who have said that he's actually kind of functionally illiterate. Like he can't, oh, really? he can't spell or anything. Huh. But he's not going to write with a ghostwriter. It's Quentin Tarantino. Right. So, but he'll write with an editor. Yeah, probably. So, I mean, that's that's mm. essentially they'll they'll keep him between the mustard and the mayo. The other uh, avenue is what Jim Carrey did with this book, where he just like very openly says, "I wrote the book with this guy," and this guy does all the press with him. Right. And he's, I forget his name, but he's like compared to the the obvious male American contemporary writers like David Foster Wallace and Jonathan Franzen. And oh, he's wow. like he's like one of those guys who's like probably very studious and a good journalist. Sure. Um, and so he wrote Jim Carrey's book. Basically, Jim Carrey's like, "This is what happened," and right. and this guy wrote the book, and he gets as much credit as any ghostwriter would. So maybe Tarantino does something like that, but I, I wouldn't want to write a book with Quentin Tarantino. No, it would be a well. Actually, maybe I would because <laughs> that's the podcast. Yeah, because exactly, <laughs> exactly. This is my I'll never forget my my book writing experience with yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, part of the, yeah, yeah. Do it for the lols. Yeah, but Honestly, it would be miserable. It would definitely be miserable. And also, it, he's already said it's a two-volume book. Like it's already going to be a thousand pages. I guess. Have you rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, it's actually a pretty great rewatch. 
I appreciated it, I think, more the second time. And I thought it was going to be like a one-watch kind of thing. No, I think it's built to be a rewatch. It's it's a yeah. hang. There's it's not a even hang. a lot. It's not even a lot of plot in that movie. Right. It's mostly a hang. Meanwhile, I I rewatched Get Out because Jen hadn't seen Get Out the other day. Oh. And I'm like, this is just a fun, watchable movie. I, regardless of like all of the tones and stuff that right. that are in it and are important, it is like a an entertaining movie so do you pick up on more stuff second time around a million percent like the running guy is like suddenly so like the running guy who's actually the grandfather who wanted to be jesse owens totally like suddenly that's so much richer and totally and what does he say he's like uh yeah you know he like he he talks about that like the photo of his grandfather and like he's like i bet he really wishes he beat jesse owens or something yeah i don't know there's just a million things throughout the whole thing and like uh, you know, my mother, she loved my mother and was like, uh, the assistant to the, who the mother is like inside of the creepy lady. Yeah. 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 She's like the maid. Yeah. She's so scary though. She's honestly, I think the scariest part of the movie. You thought so? Yes. She does have a very forced smile. And yeah. Kinda, yeah. She's like a preview of us, which I haven't seen and is oh. by all means way scarier, but us like is so much scarier. Yeah. I told you that story, right? Yes. <sighs> that you like had a night terror. I no, I just basically I had to I, like I was laughing and I had to pause it and go like Jen wake up. She was like on the on the couch next to me and I was like I had to wake you up because I started watching us and it was ridiculously terrifying. Scariest movie you ever saw? No, no, not at all. Not even in the least, but the way that Lupita Nyong'o made her voice as like the mm, the clone I have heard person. It. Yeah. it is I wasn't expecting it at all and she was just so haunting and I was it was like, you know, past midnight in my living room watching this i was like nope nope don't need it no way need it i don't know what the scariest movie i've ever seen would be because i so hide from scary movies and i always have Mm -hmm. that like get out would be one of them even though it's not like really a very scary movie certainly not by a horror fans standards Mm -hmm. and even in the climax like i got a little grossed out when the antlers go through the guy yep that's where i kind of like got upset Mm -hmm. but it's not scary it's just so tense um Honestly, like when I was like 14, I watched Donnie Darko and that movie like scared the shit out of me. Really? And it's not like a horror movie. No. But it's scarier, I think, than people say. There's weird stuff in it. And I never understood it. People don't really talk about Donnie Darko anymore. No, but it had like a cult moment. Totally. Um, In the the late 2000s even, it was still being talked about. I wonder if you went back and watched it, would it be like profound? Because I think the buzz around it at the time was like, wow, this movie really said something. And I don't remember what that was if I ever knew. But I'm not sure either. There was like time travel and. And it was about mental illness, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I haven't seen it since I was f- uh, probably 15. Yeah. 16 maybe. I just remember I watched it at a friend's house and I had to like walk home in the dark. And I was oh, very scared. That's not fun. And I was like a little teenager. You're just, just like a little boy. Singing Mad World in your head to yourself. Yeah, Mad <laughs> World is in that movie. Yeah. That's Terrifying. right. Yeah, so I won't watch that again. I, I will not. I will not. Um, oh, Conan. We got to talk about Conan. So he's ending his time at TBS. Yeah. And he's moving somewhere else. HBO, which is also owned by Turner. Right. So I. He's not jumping ship. No. It doesn't really seem like a. I mean, I don't know what the move is. He's he's going less Conan, more Bill Maher. It's still going to be a nightly show, though. No, it's a weekly show. Okay. It's a weekly variety show, and I think they're going to lean into the Conan Without Borders travel show thing, which is cool because he actually does that incredibly well. Right. This is a really good time for Conan to get out of the late night 
Forum, which yeah. is dying. There's a couple of people who are still doing it well, but it's mm-hmm. so few. And Conan, you know, right or wrong, certainly wrong, got screwed 11 years ago or whatever. Yeah. And he never got it back. And the TBS show has not been that good. And they reformatted it two years ago, and it really fell off the wheels there. Right. And uh, was that when he started wearing jean jackets? Yeah. And, and like not having a desk? Yeah. And it became a half hour show? Yeah. You know, I think that maybe more you'll see more people switching to uh, week, like basically what John Oliver's been doing and, and winning Emmys for for the last four years. If you're trying to win Emmys, it's a, a fool's errand, though, because that is the that is traditionally the stalest category and nothing against John Oliver who does an amazing job, nothing against John Stewart who did an amazing job in the daily show, but they don't even, they don't even check the tape. They just check last week tonight, every single year. It's like, I guarantee John Oliver's going to win the next two Emmys in that category. Yeah. Well, that's a big guarantee. I guarantee it. A lot could happen in two years. Sure. As you were born, (laughs) John Oliver's got those on lock. All right, let's mark it. And the bet is in. Took a photo. <laughs> Wait, what bet? What money? <laughs> oh, we were we 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 bet money. Rewind the tape. All bets are a default five hundred dollar bet, unless you say otherwise. That's right. You bet. You just bet me five hundred dollars. Shit. Shit. But John Oliver each. Yeah, five hundred dollars for each of the two. So until the twenty twenty two Emmys. Emmys, right? Uh, my fingers are crossed. <laughs> oh shit! What have I done? That a new hot young uh, comedian comes along maybe with a Conan weekly O'Brien. variety show. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not Conan, but maybe even a Trevor Noah or something. No, it's not gonna be Trevor Noah. John Stewart's coming back. He's doing another weekly show on HBO. In fact. Oh, what? Yeah. yeah. It kind of didn't. It made a little noise for a couple of days. But nothing's going to happen until post-COVID. It's going to be a while. But he's going to come back and do like... And it's interesting, isn't it? That like he left before the Trump administration. <laughs> he comes back after, comes the, back after the, the Trump administration. First thing I was going to say. That's a huge mistake. What it's a weird time to yeah. make these big decisions. Right. Huh. Is it going to be just like totally different? Or is it going to be political? Or... I I think. I, I, I It's got to be. It has to be political. It's just so weird. Because he has like a, a, like a standing invitation at Colbert. Yeah. I don't know. Probably all the late night shows. Could, well, and yeah, definitely true. But I mean, he, I think he's kind of like. He doesn't just want to hop on Kimmel whenever. Or, it would be weird yeah. if he like started to like kind just of do cheat the late on, night circuit. Cheat on Stephen Colbert. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to be a film director, but the movie he made last year, the Steve Carell movie, flopped. What was the Steve Carell movie? Exactly. Mm. It was called The Candidate or something. Oh, right. And yeah. he was like a guy running for like small town governor or something yeah that's not a thing small town governor. <laughs> small town guy. it was like rose byrne was in it too wasn't it rose byrne um and i didn't see it but the but the the rub was that it uh was just very tired it just felt like it came from another america yeah oh. well that sucks but steven speaking of, of steve carell and shows that lampoon the trump administration we were talking last week about how space force has nowhere to go and probably for the best because it wasn't that great anyway mm-hmm. and then right away it got renewed for season two. Oh my god it got the uh the show show bump yeah we did this yeah yeah once again i know uh about another five hundred dollars <laughs> i haven't watched any more moon base eight. Oh yeah so that tells you kind of where i'm at with that right although i have watched a couple other shows okay. um one of the shows industry have not heard of industry. So it's like uh, an H- the first episode is directed by Lena Dunham. It's an HBO Max show. Oh. 
and it's about uh like the 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 banking system. it's basically like the stock market in london okay a bunch of kind of like inside like bank trader people in like a wolf of wall street way or is it yeah more like yeah, big yeah. sick no not big sick big short no no yeah wolf of wall street okay but it's just like kind of like young people in london kind of making their way okay up with varying and they're all degenerates and it's and they swear a lot and it's fun yeah okay i would i i think that's pretty accurate they're all like money hungry what's it young. called it's called industry industry okay yeah. all right so i watched that we, we can, can watch it. do it on the show show if you want sure yeah sounds good we've been watching the new season of the crown we're only a couple in so far mm. didn't didn't like, keep up with the crown well i didn't keep up with the first two seasons and then they um because they do this neat thing where they change the cast every two years yeah and so after the first two seasons claire foy exits olivia coleman comes in and she's just won the academy award and i'm like well she's great and she's right. in fleabag this is the time to get back into the crown i'll just start with the new reboot of the it's not really a reboot but and, like and olivia coleman f plays the queen yeah oh so she goes from playing the does she play the queen in the new season too yes so oh, okay two seasons claire foy Two seasons, Olivia Coleman. We're now in the second of those two seasons. Right. The last two seasons are Imelda Staunton. So old queen. Right. Okay. All right. And it's very good. It was a good time for me to get in, I think, on the new cast. I love Tobias Mendes, who plays Philip. There's just something about this guy's acting that's just like, uh, it breaks my heart. There's an amazing episode in, in season three where he's like a, a ex-military uh, pilot. Yeah. And he's super psyched when Americans land on the moon. Like it's, he's like becomes like, and his whole character, he's like a real bastard. He's not nice. And he's right. not nice to his wife or his son. Um, Philip. Yeah. Philip. Okay. But then Neil Armstrong lands on the moon and he's like a kid in the candy store and he, he invites them to Buckingham palace and he wants to meet them. And he's really disappointed when they're just kind of like, like bozo Americans. Oh, and no. it's just like, it's watching this guy like have his like, um, like grand delusions yeah. about men being larger than life shattered. He played it so extraordinarily, man. Yeah. Uh, so who plays Margaret Thatcher? I thought it was, I thought it was Olivia Coleman that was playing Margaret Thatcher. No, she's the queen. Gillian okay. Anderson from the X-Files is, is Thatcher. Oh, and cool. she's good. It's, it's, I don't know a lot of Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. People are loving this season. Yes. That's what I wanted to say is that the, the, the reviews are like, this is the greatest season of any show of all time. They're very, very high in their praise. Do you need to have watched the other? Did you did you watch the other? No, I haven't gone back and watched season one You didn't go back two. at all. No, okay, I cool. started on season three, which is fine. And you're totally okay with it. Um, you could probably start on season four. Like, Oh, it, sorry. That's what I meant. So season four is the, the latest season. Yes. Okay. I've seen season three and now I've started season four. Right. You could probably start at any point. Every episode is kind of isolated because like years pass in totally. between episodes. Yeah. They're just hitting the highlights. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and, and the other notable person this season is that Diana is introduced. Yes. And she plays a, a pretty large part in it, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I remember when Diana died... Mm -hmm. I remember it being like a big deal. I don't remember the fame of Diana though. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what this fixates on. You, She's good. She's a very good actress. So you, what year were you born? 91. Okay. So you were like five. Yeah. Six, five or six. Yep. Okay. Wasn't it 96? 96 or seven. Alexa, in what year did Princess Diana die? Princess Diana died on August 31st, 1997 in Paris. Oh, yeah, so I was... 
Yeah. She was 36. Paris, Paris, France. Did France, by the way. Question? Not, yes, it did. Paris, not Paris, Texas. No, we were, we were thinking it might have been a Texan. Thanks for your feedback. Oh my God. <laughs> She's still talking. So I was, I was freshly six years old when, when Lady Di died. Died. Right. Hmm. Oh, and I, I finished Queen's Gambit. Good Lord. Yeah. Best watch of the year. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. How good is that last episode where they're all like cheering her on? Like they're all coming together. It's not necessarily even like a love story. It's just like, hey, we're all men that happen to be in your life. No, and but fine. W- at the uh, without giving anything away, really nice surprise that it turns out to be a feel good show. Yeah, because it really starts off like wherever the show takes you, it's going to be grim. Yeah, buckle up. You're totally right. And like it has a lot of darkness in it, but it's ultimately like an uplifting thing so I, I was i telling you i googled to see if if it was based on a true story and and the closest thing i could find was that it, it seems to really um center around resemble. like resemble bobby fisher's life i wondered why they were so actively never mentioning bobby fisher yeah or right. kasparov for that matter like right. they, they seem to go to lengths to not acknowledge like the mm-hmm. few very famous chess people. Right. And it's also interesting that they don't make any uh, bones about it being Russians. Like, there's no fear of the Russians. It's all kind of like admiration for... I think if that's your world, you're ridiculous to, like, to disparage the Russians. Right. I mean, that'd be like making, like, a hockey show and being like, yeah, but Canada sucks, though. Like, right. Obviously, they don't. Like, right. um, yeah. Um, where was I? What was I going to say? No, I don't know. I, oh. I just, I, I guess we said it all last week. I think it was really, really good. Definitely. Agree and I got a chess app on my phone and I'm so bad at chess. Yeah, I know. I'm I, so bad at chess. I, I tried to get the chess app a couple years ago and I couldn't even, I, I think it was a bad app to be fair. Like I, yeah. I give myself some credit and that it wasn't doing anything to teach me the way that any of the pieces were supposed so to So you make. don't know how, even how the pieces work. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can show you that much. That's then, all I need. And then we'll, be on, then we'll be on the same level. Perfect. But my, I think maybe my brain just doesn't work well with, like, I I think I told you about my friend who's really good at chess, and yeah. he often says, like, or he said before, that it's just the right game for his brain. And that's kind right. of what Queen's Gambit is about. Like, yep. clearly it connects with her because that's how she's wired. Maybe we start playing chess as we do the show, and by oh, the sounds... end it'll be like, checkmate. Colin. We'll just play speed chess. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a riot. We just have two clocks. Yeah, I've never played with a clock. No. My brain is more wired towards crosswords. I do crosswords like a... Sure, like a fiend. Like a fiend, yeah. yeah. An evil fiend. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much everything, honestly. Oh, this is kind of a big deal. Wonder Woman was supposed to be released on Christmas Day anyway. Wonder Woman 1984. Mm-hmm. That's at least its its most recently updated release date yeah. because of COVID. Uh, I did not believe that it would stick to that date because obviously they're still having such a calamitous time with the pandemic in the States. And Tenet didn't make enough money for it to be worth opening one of these like really big tentpole blockbusters. Right. Um, but now I think they are going to open it on Christmas Day because they've also doubled it up with a release on HBO Max for no extra cost. So if you have HBO, you'll be able to watch Wonder Woman for Whoa. free on Christmas Day. Oh man, how much did HBO pay for this? I just—it's a really interesting um, evolution in movie releases because so, there's been so few blockbuster movies that have committed to in fact opening in 2020 and clearly they want to do it and you can go to the theaters it's there uh-huh. but you don't have to if you feel unsafe doing so they are determined to get it out and this will be 
the most this will be the like the highest caliber piece of cinema to come out on a streaming service maybe release. ever and it's not even video on demand no it's hbo max those are your options either get hbo or go to the theater wow yeah all right i'm in i think maybe i'll be able to watch it on crave Who yeah knows? probably probably maybe you'll have to pay a little extra i don't know how that works but because mm. we don't have access to hbo max no that's true uh oh god there was another thing that i wanted to mention yeah milk it because we only have one show to cover and there's no other entertainment news god. we could talk about chess some oh more. i remember exactly what it was okay dude how did you like the most recent episode of mandalorian loved it it was like maybe my favorite i just loved the whole like sea world yeah. <laughs> not sea world but like the whole like ocean world aspect of it and so, i thought that like octopus people were so good i thought that was such a good twist to it early on yeah i i love i love the the piracy element of it interesting that both of bryce dallas howard's uh directed episodes in the mandalorian take place in fishing communities yeah yeah um now something that i'm only i'm only like marginally in on mm -hmm. the vast majority of people are are not but like the hardcore star wars fan uh, fans are really excited about this bo katan character coming in from the animated series right people are are kind of hinting at it being rosario dawson that's uh ahsoka tano that's the uh, jedi okay. that he's in search of okay uh ahsoka tano is anakin skywalker's padawan before he turned to the dark side oh wow and she's the main character of the tv series the clone wars crazy and so yes Ro rosario dawson will play her and that'll be a very big moment for like the hardcore extended canon Star Wars fan. But this other character, the Mandalorian with the red hair, who's the heiress oh, in okay. this episode, yeah. she's from the series two. And oh. she used to wield the dark saber, which we saw at the end of season one. Giancarlo Esposito had it. Right. Um, she is not only from the Clone Wars, that's the voice actress who played her in the Clone Wars for eight years. She just happens to look like her. No way. Although Ross intends that this was always the plan to eventually put her on camera. Yeah. So maybe that's huh. true. But you, like, like back when they were doing Clone Wars? Like eight years ago when they hired her. Oh my God. That's it, insane. But I know it seems crazy, but it, it, it's possible because it did happen. So questions. Yeah. Yeah. Which I know you and Ross have discussed. Okay. So this is where we're learning. And was this what Ross kind of posited all along that this Mandalorian character was like way too hardcore yes. into the cult religious side of it. Yeah, we talked about that a lot this week on, on Recorder 66, and I think it was lost on a lot of people. Ross kind of had me prepped for it, right? but Becky was lost on it too. Like when these other Mandalorians take off their helmets, you assume what he does, which is that they're thieves and they're not Mandalorians. But right. in fact, he has yet to learn that he's from an extremist sect right? that this ridiculous creed this is the way yeah there's not just one way get over yourself and you and you like you get it when you watch the show yeah. you're like oh whoa he's from a a different world well, you're just that, trained uh, to believe whatever the hero believes totally meanwhile he's like basically the friggin isis of mandalorians but it's also interesting if like this guy who's so rigid right mm -hmm. from the beginning of the series needs to have a crisis of faith otherwise he's he's never going to develop right right he's not going to grow to love baby yoda more than he already does have you guys talked any more about whether it's pedro pascal inside there the whole time or do we basically think he's no. literally phoning all of his he's phoning in some of it they him. have they have a body double and it's uh, if i'm not mistaken it's john wayne's grandson but even if it's not like sometimes like Shouldn't it just be all the time? 
<laughs> why would it be? Why, why do they need, like, John, why do they actually need the person to be inside? I don't know. Maybe for the sake of the performance. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I'm on board with him actually being in there. I, yeah. I would kind of rather it be him. I think probably as the series goes on, we'll see him loosen up about the helmet and he'll have to take it off. Right. I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't want that. He's a very good actor. Totally. He's the star of one of the most popular shows on television. 100%. He should be more famous. He should be more famous. It would. It's almost like it would be funny to watch an episode of Narcos or something and point to someone and go like, hey, you know, that's the Mandalorian, right? Right. Well, and his they voice like, is even modulated. Like if you... Other than that, he's quite handsome. Mm -hmm. If you've not seen him in another thing, you could pass him on the sidewalk and not know that he's the Mandalorian. It's he's true. He's the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, he's not quite like an A-lister. No. And he very much should be. No. Speaking of A-listers. Baby Yoda's more of an A-lister. I mean, biggest star in the world. Yeah. yeah time's most valuable person or whatever. <laughs> Speaking of A-listers, this is something I posited just for fun on, on Twitter today. Okay. Uh, maybe you can help me with this. It occurred to me... There are not a lot of famous Kyles. Okay. And Kyle. I only bring that up because there are there are not a lot of famous a lot of names. But the number of non-famous Kyles disproportionately relates to the number of famous Kyles uh, in terms of other names. Yeah. A lot of, lot of non-famous Matts, a lot of famous Matts. Right. Um, Kyle's a normal Colin, average thing. De probably even more, more famous Collins than non-famous non Collins. Collins. Uh, for a long time in my life, I was the only Colin I knew. Um, and uh, it's a very normal name, Kyle. And then all of a sudden, no famous Kyles. Or not none, but very few. And I tweeted that in particular. Not a lot of famous Kyles. Then this onslaught of people set, start sending me gifts of Kyle McLaughlin and Twin Peaks, which is really just a pop culture taste flex. Right. And also, if everybody sends me the same person... Then we all only know one You're person. proving my point. Yeah. Uh, and terrific actor, Kyle Chandler's another one. Right. B-list character actor. Yeah. This is not an... I'm looking... There is a, a vacancy for world's most famous Kyle. Right. There's a Kyle that needs to... Sorry, yeah. that's my doorbell. You have your doorbell as an app? No, it's it's my glucose monitor. Rather than doing the high-pitched beep, I oh. changed it to uh, a gentle doorbell. Oh, that's kind of nice. Because it was like... Well, that going... The high-pitched beep going off in your ears if you're like running and mm. your headphones are in. It's the worst sound. Not so nice. Yeah. Um, you're anyway, right. That's so Kyle. The, that's the only point I had to make. But they're, they're, if, you're, if your name is Kyle, you could be the most famous Kyle. You just have to work kind of hard. Now, what made you start thinking about this? I'm, I'm interesting. Know. I'm I, interested to know the thought process I, that got you here. I would tell you if I knew. I think I just heard the name Kyle somewhere and I was like, well, I wonder who the most famous Kyle is. And but I couldn't come up with one. Athletes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, we love Kyle Lowry in this house. Kyle Lowry. There yeah. you go. We got Kyle Brandt, who is a, a character on uh, uh, the Real World, I think, and is now uh, he's now like a host of the NFL okay, live show. You're still just proving my point here, buddy. Kyle Allen, who's the starting quarterback or was the starting quarterback for uh, the Washington Football Team, as yeah. they're now called, right? And uh, Kyle Kyle Ren. <laughs> What was I thinking? There's How an, could I forget Kyle Loren? Another quarterback named Kyler. Yep. Kyler Murray. That's a different name. That You're right. Doesn't count. There's an R on the end. Yep. Oh, man. There's also there, a Kylie Jenner. She's incredibly famous, there, but that's a different thing. There were two Nigerian uh, uh, NBA draft picks last night, and what, like the guy who got drafted, his name was uh, Precious. 
and his okay. his brother's name was legitimately God's gift. His name is God's gift. His name's God's gift, and I was like, next level man. Is he the second sick. born? I'm not sure which ones. I want to know. Wish. We could do a quick Google and find out. I would sure. like to know who the older of the two is. God's gift is hilarious. Yes. And it has the apostrophe in it and everything. It's just God's gift. I wonder about people like this. You know, like it's great that he has made it. And in particular, he's made it in a culture where that kind of thing is like, it's really welcome there. Well, like, Precious has. Yeah. I think God's gift is the younger younger brother. Okay. But he's part of the pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the fam. So he's probably the younger brother. I think he is the younger That's brother. That's even funnier to me. God's gift. Yeah. We had Precious, but then this is God's gift. Well, and Precious is like, you can, it's one word. Yeah, but it's also like, again, thank God he made it into this largely extroverted, charismatic, albeit testosteronic culture. Mm-hmm. Because if you're any kind of other personality type, you die because your name is precious. Well, it's 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 almost like you know, like nominal determinants. Like there was yeah. there was a guy who was um, competing in the in the Masters last week, and his last name was Champ. And I'm like, you know that this had something to do with him wanting to be the best. It had to. Have. Yeah, you have to either you have to make a choice, I guess, or or maybe it's not a choice. Maybe it's some kind of subconscious thing. But you either live up to it. Or you fly in the face of your name. I guess mm-hmm. you can do that. Or you can rename yourself. Well, I've told you about like people like that are named Dennis are more likely to be dentists, and people that are named Laura are more likely to be lawyers, and it's it's a whole thing. Wow, isn't that crazy? So what would mine be? Colin. Well, you're you're. I'm you're, on the radio. You're you're calling out to yeah. to the community. But sweets, that was not the name I was given by birth. But <laughs> if the nominal determinants were to have its way, I would be a candy man. <laughs> Who can take a sunrise? That's right. You should just start wearing candy stripes. <laughs> oh, I could join a barbershop quartet. Yeah. Yeah. We got it. And sing the candy man. Follow can. your passion, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, honestly. <laughs> Sounds really nice. Should we talk about a show? Yeah, let's do it. All right, there were no Kyles in this show. Um, no? No, no famous Kyles anyway. Okay. Not as far as I know. Do you want me to put me on the clock? Yeah, I'll put you on the clock. Ooh, okay. The only thing I don't understand is uh, why the the gaggle of ladies. What 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 was their little organization trying to achieve? So they were they were on the um, auction planning committee. Okay. All right. So Good. that's why they're there. Good enough. Okay, ready? All right, go. Three, two, one. HBO's The Undoing stars Nicole Kidman as like a prominent New York uh, therapist who's releasing a book. It's a big deal. Her husband is Hugh Grant, who is a child cancer doctor, and he seems quite lovely. And everything's all good. Her book's going to come out. There's a a, a group of women who are organizing the the event, the auction, I guess, that goes in tandem with her book release, including this young woman who seems very strange, and she has a baby, and she's kind of a pariah. Um, Wake up the next day. Hugh Grant, the husband, is missing, and this young mother is dead. Yes. Um, Wait, who was the... Who was the book release? She was releasing a book. Or maybe I just conflated some things I read in summaries. Okay, yeah. No, I don't think a book had anything to do with... Maybe that's what the book is about. But she is a a therapist. She's like the lady of the hour. And then everything kind of unravels in a single moment. And so the episode kind of leads you to believe, or it leaves you wondering if maybe Hugh Grant, who, who seems by all accounts quite regular and great. Yeah. Maybe he killed this young woman and fled. 
Right, but it's it's such a weird thing because it's not until the last 30 seconds of the show mm-hmm. where you, you realize that Hugh Grant really isn't around. No. He doesn't have his phone on him. It's not just that he's like dodging calls. No, you're right. There's like, she's gotten word about two thirds through the episode yes. that this woman, uh, who's I guess a parent at the school where her kid is also a, a school a student, right? Yeah. So that's the other uh, connection. Right. Um, so she gets a word from the school that this horrific tragedy has occurred. And so she's trying to get a hold of her husband who's flown away to this uh, oncology convention. Yes. She leaves him a message. She's like, everything's good with our family, but call me back. I want to fill you in. And then she calls him back again. And she's like, I really need you to call me back. I'm kind of upset about this. Please call me back. And eventually... She gets a hold of where he's supposed to be staying. She gets connected to somebody else who has the same name as yeah, him. Yeah, once she finds his phone. Yeah. And and we're just kind of left to wonder, like, did he just, like, disappear in thin air? Yeah. So as for this young mother, Alina, Elena. Yes. She's eerie from the beginning. Yes. Um, She doesn't seem to fit in. There's maybe something weird about her husband, or at least... They're positing very uh, verbally on the show. Well, it's always the husband. And, well, by, she, and by the way, like Nicole Kidman, great actress, mm-hmm. does a lot of work. But like there's starting to be a bit of a tonal pattern in her being like this is just the her new, having an awful is, American accent and trying to get away with it. Yes. And she's like a society woman in like a group of like gossipy people where there's yeah. maybe a violent husband. And like, this, this is, is a, just the New York Big Little Lies. This is also by the, the creator of Big Little Lies, isn't it? David E. Kelly. Well, Big Little Lies, yeah, maybe, but the, again, that's um, oh, it's Mor- like a bl- Lorraine Moriarty, I think, wrote the book. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so I think what we're supposed to pick up in this first episode is like there's this very strange kind of like outsider mom. And the reason that she's kind of strange is she's almost like aggressively breastfeeding her kid in front of them while she's like, you know, like clearly kind of like, well, that's the thing that happens, but I, I think it's supposed to illustrate that these other women are quite uptight. Yeah, but but even even Nicole Kidman says when she's talking to Hugh Grant, she's saying, you know, there was almost like a defiance in what she was she doing. She like makes eye contact like, yeah, like, like I dare she, you to like say something. Like she like has her back while talking to her friends. She's like, oh, she was just feeding her baby. Like, what are you guys like so upset about? But she's like, yeah, but she was like doing it like well, to try to prove a point. Like and, she was like looking at And by the way, this. later on in the locker room, like she approaches Nicole Kidman. Yes. Like super naked. Completely and, naked. And by the way, that's more nudity than you see in almost anything mainstream. 100%. Yeah. Jen was, <laughs> Jen was turned to me talking at this yeah. point. And I felt like the biggest, like, you know, fucking creep Homer, Homer Simpson. <laughs> Cause I was just, you did an awooga. I no, I was like, <laughs> I turned to her and I was like, what were you just, I'm sorry. There was like a new woman that yeah. was just on the screen. She's and, like, like very naked for a TV show even. Yeah. 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 Um, she had uh, Jennifer Lawrence eyes, I found. She, she was so close to being Jennifer Lawrence. She too. looked a lot like Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I didn't really know her from anything else. She was um, good, but she was very... There was just something like unsettling about her air, which is obviously what they're going for. I was surprised when she died in the first episode because I kind of thought she was going to be in the show. Right. And they, at first, kind of questioned if maybe she had an aneurysm, but then they briefly show her super bloody her head is bludgeoned yeah Yeah. so i think it's not an aneurysm no she was brutally killed yes and it would be too easy for it to be her husband yeah and i don't want it to be hugh grant who seems so nice it's funny because we watched the second episode too and all of a sudden one of the biggest thing things and i this isn't spoiling anything but there's always like 
reporters and stuff outside the school. No. I'm like, why are you going around the school just because they're like child goes there why is that the place you're trying to get answers from yeah that's just not how the media works that much even if it's like a really big story yeah yeah also i found the details that they were giving i i think that's also in the first episode when they're like found out she was actually brutally murdered bludgeoned in the head (laughs) left bloody in her studio they're like really (laughs) vulgar about the language it's like whoa this is so much yeah it's very pulpy it's like kind of a schmaltzy show it's getting like pretty good reviews it's definitely getting a lot of buzz it's and and it's getting buzz because it's after watching the second episode too it gets like oh this is juicy yeah i can see how it's like kind of dishy and juicy yeah um and and i also i don't really want you to spoil it because i might watch more you should You'd, you'd like it I think I would. I, I, I like this kind of tone of tension. It's dark, but it's like, it's not like... It's not going to ruin your life. No, and it's not too um, uh, forlorn, if you know what I mean. Like, it does yeah. have that kind of, like, milky grayness that a lot of dramas have, and she's very, like, serious. Um, but there's just something a little bit more energetic about it. Maybe yeah. it's the, the gossipy nature of How it. How crazy she dresses. <laughs> Jen and yeah. I were commenting like, why is she always dressed so crazy? Also, when the detectives come over, she couldn't be acting more suspicious. No, she had no reason to be that no. suspicious about it. Yeah. Like to, to a certain extent, I was like, does she actually know something? Is she trying to protect someone here? Her, her husband, Hugh Grant, like he seems... It just it just surprised me that they were going to like steer it in the direction of like maybe he's guilty mm. because he's so lovely. Yeah. But like maybe that's the point. Like maybe they want me to like learn that like you can be fooled by people. Um because like he he treats kids with cancer and there's like a really um tender moment where he's like telling this little girl she's not going to die and then he goes home and gets in bed and he's like he's like really sad. Yes. And she like kind of holds him and then jerks him off. <laughs> 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 you gotta watch the second episode what's your favorite favorite hugh grant what's what's your that what that part right there yeah, when yeah. he comes back from obviously the... <laughs> yeah uh i don't know like this was the this episode uh he was a good hugh grant and see he... this is this is the difference between you and me you're you're like i don't know this one i guess <laughs> yeah. and i'm like all right buckle up <laughs> okay give me give me your top four hugh grants oh top four yeah notting hill with a bullet okay never seen it dude Notting Hill. I know. Um, about a boy's number two. I haven't seen that either, but I've we're getting closer. I've yeah, you'd like about a boy. Yeah, and in fact, you'd really like Notting Hill too. Like that is that is one of the few pitch perfect romantic comedies. Okay. Um. Okay, number three. Oh, uh, Sense and Sensibility. Really? Yes, the Emma Thompson movie. Really awesome. Okay. Really awesome. Um, and he's kind of, he manages to be Hugh Grant in it. Isn't that like, like, uh, like the Jane Austen book. Right. Yeah. Really okay. good. Um, and Mickey uh, blue eyes. What's that? <laughs> it was like a, uh, a, a movie where he marries into like a mob family or something. Oh yeah. I'm not a big four weddings fan. Oh, I was I was gonna suggest that like you're forgetting four weddings and a funeral. That's no, I think it's. Thing. I mean, I like every other Richard Curtis movie, and to that end, Love Actually. But he's it's so two dimensional. Right. I like that movie for the tradition of it, but it's objectively a bad film, and his storyline's kind of iffy. He's also too perfect in it. Right. Um. 
I'm not a big Bridget Jones fan. Um, you know, it's actually, it's not a good movie either, but I actually kind of, yeah, like it's a guilty pleasure of mine is the Drew Barrymore rom-com music and lyrics with Hugh Grant. Okay. Actually a nice little movie. Had no idea that was a thing. Music and lyrics. Yeah. All right. Uh, It's not, that's not a set top four. I want to reserve my, my fourth place, but I I like Hugh Grant. But your number one with a bullet is Notting Hill and number two is about a boy. Yes. Watch Notting Hill and about a boy. All right. Yeah. You got it. Oh, I watched uh, Before Sunrise. Okay. Before Sunset. The first one. Before Sunrise. It was good. Yeah. It was good. I've never seen any of those movies, but I've never seen a Richard Linklater movie I didn't like, so there's not a good excuse. I know, excuse. and that's why I said, I was like, yeah. man, who's a director that I just have never watched a movie that I, I didn't like there? Yeah, and, uh, yeah that was a blind spot for me. So I watched the first of three. Yes, three. And as I understand it, the third one is like a horror movie. Like it's Oh god. Yeah. Like it not like literally, but like No, I know. But it's just like it's about like how marriage is maybe miserable. Right. Yeah. Oof. Well, we've joked a lot about Richard Linklater's um unprecedented commitment to ambition and long form storytelling yes. through boyhood and, and this merrily we roll along project that's gonna be nuts. Insane. But the the before trilogy fits that bill too. It does. And that's, I think, a fascinating start to mm. what he was doing. Because he didn't until... He did the first one in, in 80... Well... Whatever, maybe 90, whatever. I know next year he's due for the fourth one if they're every nine years. Oh, crazy. And so... Do you think he'll that? do it? Uh, uh, no, because there's no, there's no talk of that. Right. But But would he just maybe just drop it? Maybe. Like, I mean, they're like kind of low budget, right? They're pretty like totally. minimal cast. And he could easily get the the necessary people in it. Well, he's pals with two people? Ethan Hawke and yeah. Julie Delpy doesn't do too much otherwise, I don't think. No. I should watch I should watch at least that the first two of those movies. Because you've seen them, haven't you? No, I've never seen them. You've never seen any well, of them? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like oh, I I, I, I really, I claim to like Richard Linklater so much. Like mm-hmm. his movies actually move me. Right. But I haven't seen two of his most famous movies. Yeah, I thought I thought you were the one telling me that, that, that you had watched it and no, it was worth a watch. But I also love love stories. Like it's not a good excuse for me not to have watched Before Sunrise. Right. No, you should. You you will you'll definitely like it. Yeah. Okay. I will. Well, I'll watch Before Sunrise. You should watch Notting Hill or About a Boy. You can you can handle About a Boy um, more. Well, I mean, you can handle either one. They're lovely movies. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to handle <laughs> Listen, Notting that's Hill. That's all pretty schmaltzy. It is actually, but it's it's really well. It's it's excellent. Um, about a Boy. You are a Nick Hornby fan because you like high fidelity. I- I'm also a boy. Hey, you're a boy too. And I'm a boy. Well, and like all boys, boy men, (laughs) you have an innate sense of I don't want to grow up. That's what Nick Hornby specializes in. Ah, gotcha. And so that's that's exactly what this guy is. He's 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 like a a ladies man who has too much money, who doesn't want responsibilities or dependence. And he finds himself himself spending a lot of time with this kid who's like precocious Mm -hmm. and too smart for his own good. This is about a boy. Well, this is the this is yes, this is about a boy, but like yeah. maybe Hugh Grant is actually the titular character in about a boy. Uh, like that's kind of what you like. Well, no, I was just like double confirming this wasn't Notting Hill we were talking about. This is about a boy. No, Notting Hill is um is also another kind of cool fantasy movie. It's, oh, he's like a Can I can I give yes. you yep. my guess and okay. okay. All right. You know nothing about Notting Hill? I know nothing about Notting Hill. Oh, wow. Notting Hill. Hugh Grant plays a lawyer. 
where his parents grew up in Notting Hill. His dad's best friend's daughter, Rachel, is a competing lawyer at an opposite law firm. When they go head to head, <laughs> this is becoming the John Mulaney thing. For, <laughs> Uh, she's a busy businesswoman. Got it. (laughs) They realize that, uh, they actually have more in common than they originally thought. Hmm. Notting Hill coming Fridays on TBS from new line cinema. Yeah. No, Uh, that's not, that's not even close to correct. Although it does, it is just named Notting Hill because it mostly takes place in a place called Notting Hill. Okay. Which is like a, a, a London borough. It's like a street that's famous for its like flea markets and okay. fruit stands and Richard Curtis lived there gotcha. when he wrote the movie and so the the movie is set there and it's very clearly just written uh, as Richard Curtis musing on what it would be like if Julia Roberts walked into his life and fell in love with him because okay. that's because that's what the movie is about he is like a mild-mannered awkward uh, book vendor and the most famous uh, actress in the world walks into his store and falls in love with him. Oh. And so it's kind of this like class dichotomy where like they, they come from completely different worlds and they have nothing in common. And yet she's just like a lonely person like everyone is. Sure. And it's a lovely little romantic comedy. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I'm in. I'll watch Notting Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's not not off hill. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, anything else you want to say about this uh, this uh, this show? It was pretty good. I do have to give it my ass. Yeah. I mean, it was entertaining. Let's give it our ass. Yeah. Gruesome at times. Um, a little cliche for Kidman, but I, th- I found it, the, at least the pilot was more interesting to me than Big Little Lies, which is obviously like a sensation. So that's a good sign. The second episode highlight for me was when she sang the word liar, but she like can't say it with an American accent at all. Like she can't it's be funny. like, you're a liar. It's like... You're a liar. Liar. <laughs> What's your favorite Kidman? Because I don't have a, a go-to. Oh, God. I See, I, I find Kidman a little more accessible because she's done stuff that's more outside of, of um, you know, romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> what a dig. Give me a break. <laughs> I like what I like. No, that's, uh, sorry. I, I just mean, I'm not saying that you're in a box. I'm saying that uh, Hugh Grant is in a box. We come from different boxes. You come from you and and I. You, but but we check the same boxes on a lot of sure sometimes sure sometimes. So what I think is Nicole Kidman. I actually she's not that accessible for me. She's either. not for me either. I've like I've watched Days of Thunder. Yeah. when I was like twelve. Okay. And uh, any other like besides Big Little Lies, I'm probably forgetting like an obvious Nicole Kidman. I mean, like Eyes Wide Shut. I've Eyes never Wide seen. Shut. I think I have seen Eyes Wide Shut. Really? Yeah. I don't remember feeling anything for it. Okay. Um. Uh, Moulin Rouge. I guess. Yeah, I never watched that either. Yeah, it's fine. It's overrated, okay. frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gangs of New. Isn't she in Gangs of New York? <sighs> Maybe. Or is that just Cameron Diaz? I've never seen Gangs of New York. I think she might be in Gangs of New York. Yeah. But I'm not positive. Hey, We're- Alexis. Oh, it's Alexa. <laughs> I'm an 80 year old man. <laughs> hey, Alexa, is Nicole Kidman in Gangs of New York? According to Insider.com, Margot Robbie and Nicole Kidman star in the film, with Allison Janney and Kate McKinnon appearing in supporting roles. 
What? What movie is she talking about? <laughs> I don't know, but definitely Margot Robbie was Margot not in Robbie, Gangs of New York. Nicole Kidman, and Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. Well, that's Bombshell. But uh, then where are Alice and Janney and someone else? Was Alice and Janney not in Bombshell? No. <laughs> They're just, she's just. And also, you left out um, the Megyn Kelly one, Charlize Theron, who's the star of that movie. That's not the movie they're talking about. What movie? Is this a movie that, that did, did Alexa just let something slip? I think she's writing a movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is, she's a Hollywood insider. <laughs> Look, something creative might as well come out of this room. This is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, that's an interesting Jordan Peele movie where Alexa just comes to life and starts making art. Starts telling, Alexa's like ghostwriting for this guy. That's a Black Mirror episode at, right. at worst. I think like. You're kind of right. My, my personal assistant or whatever do you listen bebo from flubber just starts coming up with good <laughs> creative ideas do you listen to uh or have you read any of the yuval harari stuff no it's like he's like a, a scientist essentially but he writes books called like sapiens and homo deus and sapiens was all about like you know how the history has kind of worked and it's almost like a like a um a revisited history is he a sociologist? Yeah, okay. I think so. Maybe P- <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> um, I think he's a PhD in, in like sociology and anthropology and stuff. Okay. Um, but uh, he has a whole thing about, um, and he was on Dak Shepard's podcast recently, and I listened to it, and mm. I really liked it. But I read his first two books, and they're super interesting. But his whole thing is about AI, leading me back to Alexa, Um in homo deus he's kind of like why are we not like more concerned about this like it can be so helpful like biotech like we could like stop covid in like two weeks why are we not doing that also people could be tracked by their governments and potentially like controlled or killed if it was found that they had something or like even if by their like biometric uh numbers it was showing that they had a distaste for like the president or something like that could all be monitored too. So yeah. it is kind of scary. Maybe that does have to be monitored. But I don't think like surveillance organizations are that far ethically above that kind of behavior, right? Like no, we're already true. being tracked. It's true. Like it or not. They know more about us than we'd like to think. They, they probably would. know my blood sugar, yeah, which I'm fine do. with. I'm not hiding on. No, I'll say it right now. It's the principle, Slaney. I know. You have to preserve this for the principle people, of the matter. People are, uh, it was so funny because we were at a, a family party with Jen's family and uh, her uncle said, I don't want them tracking me. And, <laughs> and Jen's dad goes, yeah, but guess what? They don't want to track you. <laughs> they don't want to know anything about you. You're too much. You're where they draw the line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Michael J. Fox told a cute story on Marin's podcast today because he's plugging this book. Oh, is he plugging the book? Because I've seen so much about how Michael J. Fox, and I meant to talk to you about it, is basically just like, he's like, that's it for me. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what being, the articles kind of seem like. That's being blown out of proportion. He retired from acting several years ago. Yeah. His little go-to line is, I'm getting out of the lemonade business. Right. But he has this new book, which is, uh, I guess, an uh, uh, introspect on optimism and existentialism. So like part of his brand through being this ambassador for parkinson's research mm -hmm. is being an eternal optimist and that's wonderful but i think this book kind of explores the the um the certainty that you're going to have a lot of hard days in life no matter what your bag of hammers might be yeah 
I forget what the the title of the book is, but it's some pun on the word future. He puts future in his titles for obvious reasons. Sure. But um, the the big like personal discovery he had with this book is that future, for all of its um, symbolic significance to his iconoclast, is um, that it's the last thing you have. Mm-hmm. Like the last thing you run out of is future. Once you have no more future, that's, you have nothing else. Right. So that's interesting. kind of interesting. Anyway, he told this cute story about, because it's a long way of bringing it back to this technology conversation where he's kind of a Luddite about technology. He's not very good at it. And he writes these books, but he can't type or write with a pen because of his condition. Right. So he dictates to a, like a producer, uh, this woman he works with. And because of COVID, they can't be in the same space together. And so he's had to get used to video conferencing the way everybody has. And at one point, it was going so well, the writing process that he felt like so connected with her that he got up for a glass of water and he came back with two glasses of water. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was kind of cute. He also told a really nice um, story. Maybe it was somewhere else about, maybe it was on Fallon, about uh, coming to terms with your uh, your fading, uh, just not being what you once were, I guess, physically. Um through your condition or just through age. And he, I think it was around the 30th anniversary of back to the future. He saw this old footage of himself as like a younger person and it made him kind of sad. And he uh, was talking to Muhammad Ali's wife and asked, did like, did Ali ever like watch his old stuff from when he was like in the peak of physical fitness? And she said, yeah, he loved it. He would watch it for hours. And he (laughs) says, it didn't make him sad to, to see that. And she said, no, he believed that it was wonderful to ever have been that. Right. That's kind of a nice yeah, yeah. a nice outlook. Yeah. Totally. Anyway. <laughs> that, <laughs> Didn't mean to make it all sweet and sappy. Uh, the little book plug for Michael J. Fox. That yeah, thing. I'm kind of into that. I've always have, been a... have you read his other books? I read his first book, but years ago. Okay. Like when I was like high school, I read his first. He's written a number of them. Right. Yeah. Wise guy. Was it good? Lovely dude. Yeah. Good writer, nice. too. Yeah. I think that's all we have. I, I definitely give my ass to, to the undoing. Let's give it our ass. Sure. So, final piece of business okay the will smith yeah reunion right it happened it happened yeah and surprise both on vivs i know it wasn't a surprise i told you about this ages ago no but it was only one on viv in the photo but Mm -hmm. i don't think that we knew for sure at that point that the other on viv was indeed going to be talked to we did i knew (laughs) oh okay yeah shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was the big reveal I've seen some clips. I don't need to watch the whole reunion, but it seemed like they had a, a grand time. I didn't see any clips. I just read up on it. I, I saw him talking at length about that famous emotional scene, the how come he don't want me scene. Right. Uh, and getting like kind of a an acting lesson from James Avery. It was a memory about how how great of a, of a figure, uh, of a presence on the set and kind of a leader James Avery was. Right. But as I said recently on the podcast, I don't have a connection to the Fresh Prince. No. No, and that's too bad. Hmm. It is. I'm the one missing out. It's easier for you to not trust him. Sure. Yeah. Because you didn't you didn't have that force in your life. Right. He was my Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you about a boy. <laughs> West, in Philadelphia. West Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, All right, so we have our homework. Do we? Yeah. Ha- hey, do we have our um our our next show show movies movies then lined up? We're gonna do a couple of love stories. If you want to do about a boy and before sunrise, 
or do you want to feed me something a little less on brand? Uh, well, in a way, it's it's almost more on brand for you. Like, is that what you mean? Like less less on like brand last time you gave me you. Pulp Fiction, you gave me a movie that I wouldn't watch. Well, what was the movie we were talking about last Goodfellas. week? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah. Oh, but you're saving that for someone. I am gonna watch that with somebody, but that doesn't mean I can't make that happen. Well, let's do Goodfellas. Like, yeah, I feel I yeah. feel more so like you need Goodfellas in your life than you need Before Sunrise. I feel like you've seen Before Sunrise. Um, I will see Before Sunrise. I haven't seen. Yeah, it, but I, but what I'm saying is, yeah. I, I feel like in a way you have seen Before Sunrise more so <laughs> than you've seen The Godfather. Yeah, I know, but like you've seen it, right? You've, <laughs> yeah, but you've seen. You kind of seen. Yeah, it. yeah, I've seen it. Um, okay, Goodfellas. All right, well, in that case, you got to watch Notting Hill. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, honestly, that's easy for you. You can handle it. Totally. It's like an 85-minute rom-com. Everyone's beautiful If in it, it goes a minute over 85, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm throwing the remote through the TV. Okay, great. Well, we have our takeaways. Uh-huh. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Alexa. You never know what she's working on behind the scenes. No, it's a Black Mirror episode. This is true. Okay. <laughs> I really just wanted it to, like, fade out from that dead silence oh we can do that okay you should create a sound that i will then fade out in in post-production or should we just like laugh and then the 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 fading will do you want to like yeah let's just laugh laugh. okay